there's joy. It was joy. It was just astounding feeling of I'm looking at my own self like how is this even possible how you know like I'm Jeremy Lakash a retirement community CEO living in Eureka Illinois and you are listening to the Vance Crow podcast welcome back to the podcast I'm glad you're here today is a special interview It's with a young woman that I have known since she was born. Her name is Rachel Now, and she is the little sister of my oldest friend, Jake Now. And she has a very rare condition called Williams Syndrome. Rachel reached out to me a few weeks ago and said, hey, I know you have this podcast and you have a group of people out in the audience that I think would benefit from learning about this rare um, syndrome that I have. And so we arranged a time and set it up. And my whole time coming into this interview, I've been a little bit tense about this because while I've talked to people that are heads of state and Olympic level athletes and people that are making scientific discoveries, it's a whole nother thing to have a discussion with somebody that you've grown up with and to actually inhabit the way that they view the world, to be able to see what caused them pain when they were growing up, what things did they have to overcome, and what makes them unique because of this syndrome that they have. So this is a conversation that will be at a totally different pace than some of my other interviews, and yet its insight and the way that it will make you feel as you listen to it, I think is one of those rare occurrences, and I'm really glad to be able to share this with you on the podcast. Before we get to that, I want to mention something that the Articulate Ventures group that I run is doing. I have come to understand that there are a lot of people out there that would love to have a private interview of their grandparents telling them about the values and where they got them, or of a young child, maybe six years old, talking about how he views the world and what he wants to be when he grows up. So I've decided to offer this as a service between now and Christmas time for people that would like to have some loved one or even yourself interviewed to explore who you are, what you think about, what you know about. And we'll keep those interviews private. We'll load them up on a private drive and you'll be able to download them for Christmas or other holidays and give them to people. So if you're interested in having me do a private interview with you, Know that I only have a few open slots. I think we were figuring about 12 between now and Christmas time. And so if you're interested in doing that, I hope you will visit store.articulate.ventures where you can book one of the 12 slots that we have between now and Christmas for a private interview for you, maybe a child, maybe a grandparent, but somebody that you want to capture their thoughts and ideas and ways of thinking and their voice and how they look when they're talking over uh, this visual medium that we do here on the podcast. So if you're interested in that, visit store.articulate.ventures and otherwise enjoy the show with my friend, Rachel Now. Rachel Now, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Vance, for having me. It's a blessing and honor to be on your podcast. You know, uh, very rarely do I get emails from people that I'm so excited that they wanted to share their story because oftentimes when people write me an email, it's because they want me to help them sell something or they want me to help them get an idea out that's theirs. 
but you reached out to me a few weeks ago and said, Vance, I have um, a special way that my brain works and I want to talk with people about it. And I was wondering if your podcast might be a good spot for that. And I was delighted to hear about this, but I think it's a little rare and a little unusual. So I wanted to give you a chance to talk about what you reached out to me about and what you, uh, you wanted to share with people that they probably don't know very much about. So what I have is Williams syndrome. So that is one out of every 20 to 30,000 people that have it. And it is extremely rare, not very well known um, worldwide, even it's not very well known. Um, so Williams syndrome has to do with the chromosome number seven, and it was deleted. So that means it wasn't even there when I was formed. It just wasn't there. And so that's where the genetic of that chromosome came in. And so I, you know, there's, with my history of my childhood, there was uh, many pieces that I couldn't quite fit together. Like I would wake my parents up in the middle of the night saying that there was a storm coming and the sky wouldn't be dark or anything and my parents would send me back to bed and 30 minutes later there was a storm <laughs> i didn't know I this could hear it. wow i could hear it coming and i was frightened out of my wits and i could hear it just thundering away like crazy so that's very interesting because when you describe that a chromosome has been deleted, I have no idea what that means, but I do know that you have a heightened sense of sound and noise and pressure, and your experience of that is that you can hear things more clearly? Oh, yes. Yep. I can hear things um, like if someone was to even whisper something and they like if I'm not even passing them but I'm in a total different area than they are my ears are hypersensitive enough that I can hear them so what is it like to have uh you know hyper hyper ability to be able to hear there's good with it and there's bad with it too like, if the thunderstorms come, I don't sleep well. If there's fireworks going off, I don't sleep well. If, you know, there's loud noises, my ears just hurt. And they tend to hit the roof some. So, but the good is I get to hear music. I get to hear the beauty of what God has brought into my life and 
you know, I definitely say it's a blessing, but it's also very difficult at times too. So you and I have known each other for um, your entire life. Uh, our two families yes. grew up together. And I remember that you were always one of the most outgoing people that I had ever met. Like you have this sense of wonder and excitement to meet other people. Is that a part of Williams syndrome or is that just a part of who you are? That's a part of Williams syndrome. What they identify medically um, is called over-friendliness. So they identify the factor of you um, just wanting to be friends with everyone, just wanting to love all people. And that's part of the Williams syndrome factor is the overly friendliness. And that, it has its good parts, but it has its, unknown parts meaning that i don't always like for strangers and not knowing if there's someone safe or not safe and I've, not go ahead sorry. well i was going to say because many of our interactions happened in high school which, you know, there's one thing to say when you're a small child and you might trust an adult stranger that you shouldn't trust. But when you're around children it's uh, or other young people, having trust when you should be more, uh, you know, kind of cautious, you don't really know if the kids are embracing you or, or making fun of you. How was the experience of being a high school kid with so much outgoingness and wanting to be so friendly in an environment where kids aren't always nice to each other. It was very tough for me. Um, there was a lot of people that did not um, understand or were not uh, caring um, about me. So there was a lot of different issues that I faced with high school. Um, but like the first year, my brother Jake was there. He was a senior in high school. All his friends, he told them about me and they all took me under their wing, basically. If something happened to me, if I was in trouble with someone or being made fun of or whatever, they would step up no matter who it was, they would step up and defend me and help me get through that situation. And that was always um, something that even for Matt, when he was younger, he used to walk me home from school. And I don't know directions. So if you were to tell me to go a certain direction to get to this certain place, I wouldn't know because that's just part of the one syndrome, even getting out of the car in a parking lot, going into a store and then trying to come out and find the car. 
my mom can go one way, I can go another way, thinking that it's the total opposite direction. And she has to usually turn me around <laughs> to get me to where the direction of the car is actually at. It's so interesting that you say this, Rachel. I had a guy on the podcast about a year ago who um, was got into a fight and he hit his head on the ground during the altercation and he lost his ability to have a sense of direction. And he talked in great detail about how we all take for granted that we know where we are at in the world and that when you don't know where you're at or when you can't follow directions, then you're constantly in a state of being lost or constantly in a state of needing other people to support you through the world. What has that been like for you? Is that your experience? Yes, it has been, um, you know, going through the high school times, I had um, a lot of different experiences, but I was very blessed and still am blessed to have a couple of really good friends um, that have really helped me through some really tough, tough times. And uh, Jody Dennis is one of them, actually, well, there's several of them that were kind of there throughout my high school years, but Jody and I and actually Gal and I have really pretty much uh, kept in contact as well as a couple other people too. So it was really good to have that support system when I needed that to happen. Um, I Go ahead. Well, I, I was going to ask, you know, you had said in the beginning that Williams syndrome is very rare. I remember a few years ago when you met the first person that, that, that I could recall that also had Williams syndrome. So what was it like for you to meet a person that experiences the world in much the same way that you do? It's interesting you asked me this question because today is eight years since I've met her. Her name's Kimmy, and she, we were at a um, Kohl's in a, out shopping, my mom and I were, and I watched this young woman go around the jewelry counter just like I do, and if you know me, I kind of like the sparkly things. And so she was doing the exact same thing I was, I was doing, but I took one look at her and my jaw literally hit the floor. You knew just was, by looking at her. Oh yes, Vance. If you get online and literally like look at people that have Williams syndrome, identical, identical fascinating and so what was it like to see someone that was like you for the first time it was amazing and i i was like oh my goodness i was like this is crazy and so i couldn't approach her not knowing if she knew because sometimes um 
like I didn't know for a very long time. And so I didn't know if she knew sometimes people are born with one. They're born with one syndrome, but they don't really know that. But uh, so I went to go find my mom and I told my mom, mom, there's someone in the store identical to me. She has one syndrome. I know she does. And my mom said, well, where was she with anyone? I said, I didn't see anyone with her. And so I went looking for her, couldn't find her anywhere. Oh my gosh, this had to be so much tension. (laughs) Yes, yes, it was. It was, and I I probably went around that store three or four times. And then my phone went off and my mom was calling and answered the phone and I was really sad and upset because I couldn't find her. And my mom said, wait, where are you at? And I told her where I was and she says, turn the corner. And I turned the corner, there was my mom with Kimmy and her mom. Kimmy and I took one look at each other. We both started to cry. We hugged right away and it it was amazing. Tell us about that feeling because Rachel, the experience that you had there is one that is universal in the sense that we all feel alone in some way, but totally unique in the fact that most of us aren't searching for one in 20 or one in 30,000 people all around the world. So when you say you're hugging and you're crying, what's going on inside of you? There's joy. It was joy. It was just astounding feeling of I'm looking at my own self. Like, how is this even possible? How you know, like, there was a million questions going through my head as we were both, you know, hugging and crying. And um, I, so it was just a beautiful experience for me just to know, like, there is someone out there that has it. And that I could relate to on a different level. So after you guys have the initial, you know, uh, shakeup of, of finding someone like you, what are the first conversations that you had with somebody that could have the same subjective experience? I mean, this supersedes your parents, your siblings, your friends. (laughs) So what did you guys talk about when you first got together? Well, we, Food, Vance. It was food. (laughs) Tell me more. Kimmy and I, so we would, after the first initial meeting, we set up more times, of course, to get together. When we did that, we would meet at a restaurant, and it was kind of a family restaurant. And she would ask me, what are you going to order for lunch? And I would look at her and I would say, well, I'm going to order Belgium waffle and I'm going to order cheese curds and a hot chocolate. And she'd look at me, she, 
she would say, yes, that's exactly what I'm going to eat too. We eat the same food. <laughs> we literally do. And do you think that's as a function of you both being very similar or do you think most people with Williams syndrome would have ordered that same food? I think most because it was rare to for me to have someone that would order the same thing. And even after we got together, it was the same thing. That. Even after that. And so now it's been eight years with a friend that you have that kind of shares the experience. Do you feel like you've learned more about Williams syndrome because you're able to say, is this just something about who I am or is this something as a part of the, the makeup of our genetics because you have another person to talk with? Oh, yes. Kimmy has taught me a lot. One of the things Kimmy taught me about was... I have always been attracted to sparkly things. Don't, didn't, you know, didn't understand why I had some people that would come to me and say like, you know, you're a Christian, but yet you uh, choose to wear all the sparkly stuff and we know you got more and why do you do this? You know, like, just really hardcore, just judgment, right? Judgment yeah. for something that you are attracted to. And I couldn't give them an answer at that point in time because I didn't have one. And so then when I met Kimmy, she said that um, part of our makeup is being drawn to sparkly things. That's part of people. Well, it's interesting. If people are just listening to this, they wouldn't know that you're wearing a sparkly necklace, your earrings are sparkly, and there even seems to be sparkles inside of your sweater. I don't know if that's the thread or what that is, but you do sparkle. And is, is it because it's something that attracts your eye? How do you, how do you think that that generally works? I... I oh, think I'm flipped upside, upside down. down. We'll have to flip that thing around again. There we go. Um, so I'm sorry, repeat the question. So what is it about sparkly things that the two of you like? Is that what everyone with Williams syndrome has a love of sparkly I, things? I think so, Vance. It's part of who we are. So tell me about the work that, do you want to tilt your camera down a little bit so we can see you better? It's okay if we need to take a pause to, to fix it, but that looks a lot better. So Rachel, um, what do you do for, for work? How do you spend your days? Before the virus came out, I was working at a thrift store, Ventures Unlimited thrift store where I've been working for 10 years. 10 years, that is a long time to be working at a, at a place. What did you do at the thrift store? I ran the cash register. I helped um, with the customers. I organized different areas, vacuumed, cleaned. 
I did lots and lots of, uh, you know, learning there too, as far as my abilities. And when you learn a new task, like learning the cash register, what is the process like for you? It can be a little bit uh, hard for me. I am not someone that, like if you were to give me, like this is one part of the cash register, this is the other part of the cash register. Like there's three different increments to something. I have to, for my own means, be able to learn one part first and then go on to the other parts because otherwise it gets, like if my mom tells me to go do three different things at once, I'm like, oh, because I, you know, because my brain can't handle that. My, I can only do one thing at a time. So the learning process for the store was one thing at a time. But then I eventually built up to where I could do more than one thing at a time and help out more on a deeper level. When you watch other people that can pick up on something, so if you were standing next to a person that was learning the cash register and they could learn three things at a time, how does, how does that feel for you? Because I think that one of the things that is difficult for people to understand is things that come easy for one person but don't come easy for another it's hard to understand the person that it doesn't come easy for but the reverse is also true so what is it like for you to see somebody else adapt so quickly whereas it's uh it takes a longer time for you well it is hard but at the same time like for me i can watch someone just get it like that and they understand and they know what to do and they're right on top of it. But it's hard in my perspective because I have to have time to process, process what they're saying, process what they're asking, process how to deal with that particular thing that they want me to do. But if someone just gets it like that, then I just kind of have to acknowledge that, okay, they're getting it, but it doesn't necessarily matter because I will eventually understand it myself. Like, it's one thing I don't do. Um, is drive. I have not been able to drive. I tried in high school, but it didn't work out. But like that for me is hard because then I have to fully rely on my parents or a driver or a friend, someone to help with transportation. So that's different. Yeah. I mean, I think people like me take for granted that we can drive because it means I can at any time decide I'm going to go 30, 40, 50 miles away and I, I could just make it happen. But for you, you would have to have a lot of foresight. You would have to get someone else to agree with you. That would be a big challenge. Yeah. 
Yeah. So talk about the, um, the way that you develop friendships, because one of the things that I remember about you as a child is that because you were so loving and because you were so interested and excited about other people, it made it so um, you were kind of always uh, excited and open to meeting people, but that they were going at a different pace than you. So what has it been like to live in a world where you're trying to build friendships with people that are moving along in the world much faster than, than the pace that, you, that you're more comfortable at? Well, I think I have learned that the pace doesn't matter so much as what does matter is that person's willingness to be friends or to welcome me to accept me i think that's the most important part to it for me because there has been people in and out of my life just as well as i'm sure for you you've had people in and out of your life where you know the friendships change things go a different direction. They're not the same anymore. But what I have learned is that each person God puts into your life for one reason or another. So if they're there to help you through something or you're there to help them through something, or you're just, you know, trying to do the best that you can with who you are as a person and try to give that to that person. That makes uh, a ton of sense. And I think seems uh, very reasonable, like uh, in a way that most people that friendships are easy and they can keep up at the same pace don't necessarily appreciate. I, I know for me, um, I listen to the way that you have patience and I think I wish I was as comfortable with myself as Rachel appears to be because it seems like you're much more accepting of what is you, you almost sound like a, like a Buddhist, but I know that you're actually a Christian and, uh, why not, would you mind sharing with us like your belief in God? Where, where does this come from and, and how has this helped you navigate the world? So, um, my belief from God is, um, first of all, I was raised in a Christian home. My parents, both are Christian. Um, so, um, my parents really taught me a lot when I was younger and even up until now about God and how God wants to touch our hearts and touch our lives and help us get through different things that we may end up going through. Um, when I was a freshman in high school, I the relationship with God really started then. So I. I had CYM, I had all these different YouTubes going on, um, but 
I didn't really, like even though I was raised in the Christian home, I didn't really have that deep connection. And I knew he was there with me, but I just didn't understand my connection with him at that point. But then um, going through the testing, which um, I had to go through for the Williams syndrome at that point in time of freshman year. Um, and actually had to get a heart scan done too, which was really scary for me as a person, a young person going through that. Um, Cause I didn't know if there was something wrong with me. I knew nothing at that point. And so I was praying a lot during that time that everything would be fine, whatever this was that I didn't know of would be okay. And so when I went through the test, got that all done, then I eventually started that building of relationship with God. One thing I have learned that is something very important with the relationship is to always put him first and to make the time to do that um, in the morning when I get up from getting going, you know, just have that time with him and to know that uh, he's got me and I have to continually put my trust in him no matter what is going on. That's how um, the relationship that I have with him, there's, I'm sure just like you have had tough times, I've had tough times, but just to know that he can help through those tough times and that he can strengthen me when I feel weak, when I feel alone, when I feel vulnerable, when I feel upset, when I feel sad, he's, when I'm going through something, he's always there. And so this is, well, this is a little bit of a personal question, but it's one I've been asking a lot of people recently, which is when you hear the voice of God, whether that's through prayer or the voice in the back of your head, what is that experience like? Is it something that's obvious? You're like, oh, that's, that's what God is trying to tell me. Or is it like, I think this is what God is trying to tell me, but I can't, I need to listen harder. How, how does this work for you? It's interesting that you bring that up to me um, because this is something that a lot of people don't know, but a lot of the time 
um, my like when I go to sleep at night, sometimes I have spiritual dreams. So I can see different things happening that relate to God. I've had so like a lot of different dreams that have been spiritual. Very intense dreams too. So the it, it's amazing. It is truly amazing when that when God just reveals himself through those dreams. And I get up in the morning and I'll write it all down. These dreams are not just one page. They're like 10 to 12 pages sometimes. Oh, wow. That is fantastic. And it takes me like two hours to write it down and I don't come out of my room until it's done and then bring it to my parents and show them. Wow. And would you say those dreams have helped you figure things out or revealed things to you that you didn't know? I think they have. Yeah. I think it's God's way of not only reminding me that he's there, but that he has a purpose for whatever the situations may be. He has a purpose that he's going to use me for his purpose or the ministry that he wants me to do. This is fascinating because you use words differently than the way that I would, right? It's not natural for me to say God has a purpose for me or that there is a ministry, but the exact idea that you are talking about when I hear a dream or when I have that voice in the back of my head it, it is, uh, I have learned over time that if I ignore it, it's not going to go away. It's only going to get louder. And so I can't like, it, it's almost as though you have a mission that you have to go on and whether you want to go on it or not, you're going to keep getting poked <laughs> until you yeah. do the right thing. Yeah. Oh, it, it warms my heart to have such a to have such a clear conversation with another person about this, because in fact, Rachel, I would say out of all the people I've spoken with uh, around the world, you have the best handle on explaining uh, the way the voice of God comes to you. I think that's something very admirable. Well, thank you, Vance. So when people engage with you, I know that for when I was in high school, I had no idea that you had Williams syndrome. I thought you were very nice. I thought you were... Um, you know, just Jake's little sister that I always knew. But then when you put a label on somebody and you say they have Williams syndrome, does that, is that something that you think it's really important that people know that I have Williams syndrome? So that way they know what's peculiar about me or what's kind of makes me unique. Or is it, I wish that people didn't need to know that because I'd rather them deal without, without them, without the facade of, of, uh, a name or, or some kind of syndrome? It's a two-sided question, two-sided answer, okay? So even if people did not know that I had Williams syndrome, there was some that knew I did not feel fit societies 
normal, okay? So I didn't fit up to what society's standards were as far as normal. So they didn't see me as a human being, basically. They treated me horrific. So I... From In what way? Can I can I ask what you mean when you said people treated you horribly? What, how? Made fun of me, called me names, um, just did. It was bad. It was very bad. Isolated I you. Yeah. Very, very, very bad. Yeah. There was times where I knew of different parties that were going on, different things that were happening. Other people would tell me different things, and I'd be like, oh, you did that this weekend? And it was like, I wasn't invited. I wasn't, you know, welcomed. I wasn't included. And so that aspect of it is very difficult. But the other aspect is because it is so rare even though the label, as you say, is put on it, the fact of it being so rare is why I came to you through Facebook to connect with you, to tell you that I have this and that I wanted to speak to you about it because it, there's not a whole lot of people that know about it. You know more about autism. You know more about Downs. You know more about all these different um, special needs, but you don't know a whole lot about Williams syndrome. And so um, I think that having that aspect of the rarity is means more to me than the label of who I am, you know, as far as the label of Williams syndrome. So as you think about what makes someone with Williams syndrome special, you think about your relationship with Kimmy, you've already talked about, I can hear things that other people can't hear. I like sparkly things. I'm really friendly and almost to the point of trusting people I shouldn't. What are some of the other aspects that we haven't talked about about Williams syndrome that you think makes you uh, unique from, from maybe ordinary people or normies? I am extremely sensitive to the point where I can feel someone's emotion without them having to say a word or read their body language. Really? Tell me more about that. So I can sense like if I'm at work and I can sense my boss's stress, I can literally feel it. Okay. So I don't even have to say a word to her. She doesn't have to say a word to me. It's not necessary even actions that she's showing or words that she's saying. It's just, I can feel it in my heart and I know that she is stressed or that 
she's dealing with something that she's upset about, I can feel people's pain. Rachel, I don't think I've ever had a guest on that I feel as connected to as I do with you. You are describing something deep about me as well. Like, I can walk into a room and I can feel other people's emotions. And I tend to uh, push people to try and be happy because if they're happy, then I can feel the happiness. Do you mm -hmm. sense that same thing in you where you sense stress and you think, I just got to do something to make it so it's not so stressed because I don't want to feel this way? Um, yes, but at the same time, I know that the person has to deal with <laughs> you're much more accepting words, of other people <laughs> in other words i don't want to say oh you're stressed and then get them more upset because you know but i you know i went um through some like within last i would say year or so at work there was a lot of intense times so i feeling someone's emotions and then not like i would try my hardest for this particular person who is a boss and I never could make her happy. Not one thing that I did. And so it was a really tough situation. And um, I was really just coming home every time, just miserable and drained. So sometimes I think it is okay for people to acknowledge that the person is stressed, but how do you help that person if the person doesn't want the help? I mean, that's probably the hardest lesson that I've yet to learn, right? It's, it's, uh, I, uh, I get into a situation and I think, oh, I just want to change this. And it's probably not for the better. It's almost selfish in, in the way that I, I want to change it. But I completely understand where you're coming from. If every day you're coming home from work and you feel like the person you're expected to please, nothing you can do is right. That's a, a, another isolating uh, sensation that nobody wants. Right. Well, Rachel, as we wrap up, what are the things about Williams syndrome? If somebody met someone that they thought had Williams syndrome or somebody, or they even told them, what is something you should keep in mind when you're talking with someone with Williams syndrome? You should keep in mind that they are human beings, first and foremost. They do, yes, they have Williams syndrome, or even if it's someone with a different special need, that does not define by any way, shape, or form who they are. It is a part of them, but does not totally define who they are. So they need to be treated with love, respect. They need to be treated 
um, with welcome arms. They need to be accepted just as well as um, someone else with special needs or any other human being. They need to be loved. And I think that's a very important part of it is that um, people need to understand that people who have special needs, they are normal because God created them that way. Well, Rachel, I am so grateful that you reached out and uh, and offered to do this. It's something I would never have thought to do on my own. So I'm glad you were so brave to be like, hey, I want to do this. And uh, and I really think you um, the things that you're talking about that highlight parts of who you are with Williams syndrome are actually things about human beings that we would love to cultivate in ourselves. We just don't like I, I think, for example, your love of sparkly things I mean, my wife, Annie, loves sparkly things, but she struggles to embrace it, right? But you don't. You say, hey, this is who I am. I love sparkly things, and so I'm going to put sparkly things all around <laughs> me. And I think that's uh, something we can all learn from, to, to embrace who, who it is that we are. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for, having, for coming on, Rachel, and maybe we'll do this again sometime. I would really love to. There's so much more information that I would love to share with you. More um, medical stuff. I mean, there's lots of medical stuff with it and lots more information. So, Well, great. Thank you so much, Rachel, and we'll be in touch. <laughs>